Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hi, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. We have been diving into the doctrine of the person of God, and on today's podcast, we'll keep that going as we talk and learn about God's holiness. Welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're systematically discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding what too many of us believe are out-of-reach theological topics. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that is applicable to the lives we live. Because as Charles Spurgeon said, if theology doesn't change your behavior, it will never change your destiny. So to repeat, today we're continuing our study on the doctrine of the person of God. If you missed any of the podcast on this topic, we definitely invite you to go back and check them out. So let's get started today. Pastor Jeff, both of us love music. Love music. Love music. And here's a question I'm going to ask you that I actually dislike when people ask me. So I just thought I would start. Well, I'm going to ask you start. then. Oh, great. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I always. My mama always says I shouldn't play poker. It's because I have too many tells. You just talked a little tells. bit too much I there. did. So here it is. What is your favorite, favorite song? Yeah, how do you... How do you come up with a favorite song? Um, I have I have two songs that I think I'm going to ask them to play at my funeral. Mm. Amazing Grace by John Newton, you know, the former slave trader, gets mm. saved. Amazing Grace. And the second one is He Stopped Loving Her Today by George Jones. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I have stopped Did loving my just... wife that day oh, at my no. funeral, you know? So I thought, well, Celine you know, Dion says your love goes on and on and on and on. I can't believe you're quoting <laughs> Celine Dion on our <laughs> kitchen table theology <laughs> podcast. No, but my my mine would be uh, yeah, Amazing Grace, and he stopped loving her today. <laughs> George Jones. Well, Daddy wants if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie played oh, well, at his yeah, funeral. Hey, so. And please don't look up the lyrics no, on that. Don't, don't dear do listener. that either. Or the sentiment behind it. I and the theology to, behind it's really bad too. Oh, I so. used to cry when he told me that. <laughs> oh, it made me worried for his soul. Well, what what is your favorite song? Okay, and, well, I can't say favorite song because songs to me just will they're like smells or something else that just take you back to a given yeah. moment. So I think probably every time I hear Just As I Am, I'm taken back oh, to wow. that old hymn. I'm taken back to the moment that I accepted Christ, third grade. You and, walked the yes, aisle. Yes, and I walked went down the, to the red carpeted aisle. <laughs> Literally walked the altar. Yeah, there we go. Went down to the altar. You know, there's my wedding dance song that was U2's All I Want Is You. You know, the the nine-minute version that you have to look over at the DJ a, and say. Okay, that's a long It was dance. a long... I know. People were ready to get going. Um, I think with... With Grayson, I always think about the song I would sing to her before she went to sleep, which was her favorite song at the time, the Carnival Cruise Ship Ballad, Somewhere Beyond the Sea. Oh, my word. Beyond the Sea. And then for Paven, because he's the quirky little little guy that he is, his was The Lion Sleeps Tonight. So whenever oh, I hear that, one. you got a wee moe, a wee yeah. moe, a wee. <laughs> So songs bring you back to they places, do. and they, they, they are really powerful. Do. And our kitchen table theologians, maybe you're a music lover too. And it really is a gift from God when we're in all seriousness that 
captures and communicates things that just cannot be adequately expressed by words. You know, music, said Plato, gives wings to the mind and flight to the imagination and life to everything. Music sets forth what's important to us, what moves us, what changes us, and what we long for. Mm. And since we're talking about God's holiness today, and the reason we started talking about music and got on this tangent in the first place, is that both of us grew up singing this fantastic hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Yeah, good old number one in the old Baptist Convention uh, press hymnal. I've got to get one of those hymnals. I, I, I remember it like, uh, I mean, I just lived in that thing as a little kid. That's how I learned to read music. Did they have a red cover or a blue cover? Uh, they had red, maroon, green. Um, yeah, they the had it all going on. Church, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, match the carpet. <laughs> match the carpet. <laughs> I, holy, holy, holy. I've always loved that hymn. And I'm, I really am convinced that one of the things that has kept my faith intact and my theology on track was a truth that I learned in that hymn as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that hymn was written by an Anglican missionary and pastor, a guy by the name of Reginald Heber, in 1826. And coincidentally, he wrote it the same year he died, mm-hmm. and he was only 42 years old when he when he passed away. But this hymn really is, uh, it's been called the beloved jewel of Trinitarian hymnody. Now there's a... Yeah, what does that even mean? But what that means is it's a great song, great lyrics Mm. regarding the Trinity, and it's in over 1,400 hymnals. Mm. Uh, It's a powerful, beloved hymn that even non-Trinitarian worshipers have used it, such as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Mm. who unfortunately changed one of the lines from... One of the last lines is, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. They changed it to God in thy glory through eternity, Mm. because they don't believe in the Trinity. But that's what cults do. They counterfeit the truth of God with the falsehood of man. They need to go back and listen to our podcast on the Trinity. (laughs) That's right. That would, yeah. We would we would change Mormonism. Uh, Change the whole (laughs) the the whole whole structure. The whole thing. So, kitchen table theologians, we have a little pop quiz for you, and here it is. Do you know what the first recorded song in the Bible is about? I'll give you a hint. It's the last song recorded in the Bible is about the same thing. Right. The first and last song are around the same topic. Same topic. So, kitchen table theologians, any ideas what's the first recorded song in the Bible or what it's what it's about? Well, the first song in Scripture appears in Exodus 15, and the last song can be found in Revelation 15. Mm-hmm. So if you have some time, go check those out. Both have, as their shared focus, the holiness of God. In Exodus, in Exodus 15, after God demolished any notion that Egypt's false gods were anything other than the projections of the men who worshipped them, after God had delivered over a million Israeli slaves from the grip of Egypt through ten awe-inspiring plagues, and after he parted the Red Sea, Moses led the whole nation in a song celebrating, of all things, God's holiness. Mm. And and verse fifteen, verse uh, eleven of Exodus fifteen captures the whole gist of the entire song. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? Mm. 
And then, as you mentioned, at the end of the Bible, when the... <laughs> there's a big word. There's a big word. He, it means he was in his 90s. He was in his 90s? A nonagenarian. I put this in so we would all learn new vocabulary word. I've heard of octogenarians, right? Does Those are people really in their 80s. Does he really put this in so we can learn new vocabulary I'm, words? Or I'm, does he put this in just to trip me up? I'm kind of feeling it's the latter. Uh, well, so anyhow, anyways, moving along, John was in his 90s. He was, and he was granted <laughs> by God to look into the future, and he saw a moment when the final outpouring of the wrath of God was about to take place. Gathered in heaven were those whose faith and allegiance to God and defiance of the rule of the Antichrist had cost them their lives. And John tells us that they sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God. The Almighty, righteous and true are your ways. King of the nations, Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? Because you alone are holy. Because all the nations will come and worship before you, because your righteous acts have been revealed. I need to do some looking into that, but when that that verse says they sang the song of God's servant Moses, mm. I wonder if it's the Exodus 15 song. Mm. I don't know. That might be worth looking into. Mm. That, that would be incredibly mm-hmm. interesting, the first and mm-hmm. last songs. So in between Exodus 15 and Revelation 15, God's holiness comes up over and over and over and over again in Scripture. The word holy is used more often as a prefix to God's name than any other adjective. So this is something I think will really knock your socks off. Only two people, Isaiah and John, out of all the people in the Bible were permitted to see into the throne room of heaven and write about it. Now, Isaiah was born in the 8th century B.C., and John, the Apostle John, was born around the year 6 A.D. Both report hearing one continuous refrain spoken day and night, and it's this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what I call some backstage access. <laughs> that's that's backstage that's, access. That is. And then some. That is the VIP, and it is truly <laughs> incredible. So, all right then, let's dive into this topic on the holiness of God. You know, A.W. Tozer in his classic little book, little book, called The Knowledge of the Holy, wrote this about God's holiness. Holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. He's absolutely holy with an infinite, incomprehensible fullness of purity that is incapable of being other than it is. Because God is holy, his attributes are holy. That is, whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. God is holy, and he has made holiness the moral condition necessary to the health of his universe. Oh, that's a big statement. That's... Incredibly wonderful. I love Tozer. He he really had a way to explain things when he wrote. So Kitchen Table Theologians, if you've never read A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, mm-hmm. we highly recommend him. You might want to pick up that, that book, and it really is. It's a, it's a small little paperback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The Knowledge of the Holy. We'll put something in the show notes about that. And then he's got another classic called The Pursuit of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's best known for those two books. He, he wrote 10 other books, but Knowledge of the Holy and the Pursuit of God are literally their classics. 
So when we come to the topic of God's holiness, you know, it's even hard to know where to start here. The, the subject is so vast. So let's just focus for this podcast on the nature of God's holiness, what He is, and then what repercussions that has for us. So what sets this attribute of God, His holiness, apart from all of the other attributes, is that holiness never occupies second place among His characteristics. So here in our podcast lineup, you know, as we've laid these podcasts out and we're looking at these 12 attributes of God, we've included His holiness along with His other attributes as most systematic theological uh, parameters Mm -hmm. would. But let's make sure we understand that Scripture places a supreme emphasis on the premium of God's holiness. In fact, He is described by the word holy more than any other term. It, It is the most central identifying characteristic of God's being. And I love this concept. I've heard it said before that holiness is the only attribute of God that is mentioned in triplicate. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about why that's important. You know, we know that twice in the Bible, God is referred to as holy, holy, holy. That sort of blows my mind when you do think about it, because we're all taught about the love of God, right? Mm. But the Bible never says God is love, 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 or he is strong, 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 or wise, 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 grace, grace, grace. But it does specifically say he is holy, holy, holy. So let's define what it means when we say that God's holy. Uh, Holiness is his central attribute. It is his unique characteristics and uh, characteristic. And holiness is 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 that thing that makes God God. And there's basically two strands of meaning for the word holy. The first one is to be holy means to be distinct. Uh, to be separate, to be unique. The basic definition of the word holy in the Bible, it means to cut away or to separate. R.C. Sproul suggests that this word conveys the same idea we express when we find a garment or we find a golf club or some piece of merchandise that is outstanding, something that's got superior excellence, And we might say that it is a cut above the rest. Mm -hmm. We've used that terminology. Mm -hmm. That sort of has the... That's what the idea of holiness is about, a a cut above the rest. Uh, All the other attributes of God really are predicated on God's holiness. So when we say God is holy, and it's, it's imperative that we grasp this now, so kitchen table theologians, lean in a little bit on this. When we say God's holy... We are not talking about one characteristic out of many about God. We're talking about the character of God himself. Holiness, when it's applied to God, means that he is utterly unique, incomparable, matchless, without parallel, without peer. We read in Isaiah 40, God himself issues this challenge. He says, who will you compare me to or who is my equal asks the Holy One. And our answer's got to be, there's no comparison. There's Mm -hmm. nothing. There's Mm -hmm. no one we can compare you to. So God is not just some supersized version of you or me. He is transcendently separate in a class by himself. He's subject to nothing. He answers to no one. 
So God is not like anything or anyone that we could come up with. Mm -hmm. He's above us. He's beyond us. He's so different and so rare that no one in the Bible, regardless of how devout or learned, failed to to resonate and and fall in fear, humility, in repentance when they caught a glimpse of God's holiness. I think it was uh, it was Habakkuk. I mean, you look at the various times. Um, Habakkuk said, "When he saw him, my my uh, my bones quivered. Mm. My inner being trembled. My mm. bones quivered." Peter in the boat, when he realizes Jesus is who he really is, mm-hmm. Peter says, "Depart from you know I'm I'm a, I'm a sinful man." Mm-hmm. Isaiah, "Depart from me, I'm a sinful man." Mm. Uh, John in the book of um, Revelation was struck dumb mm-hmm. um, because they had been confronted as only God can do by the holiness mm-hmm. of God. So, mm-hmm. you know, we... I'm just going to go off on a slight little tangent here, I think. We we hear, or at least I do, there's a lot of religious yahoos out there mm. today whose goal, I think, is to kind of make us feel comfortable with God at mm. almost any level. And they want us to feel like God's someone that we can just hang out with, confide in whenever we feel like it, but most of the time we're okay if we ignore him. You know, mm-hmm. um, Someone we call on when the going gets tough, regardless of our relationship with him or what kind of life we might be leading, and we, we trivialize God's name. We trivialize mm-hmm. who God is, and we speak of him on terms too familiar. All you've got to do is, um, and I did this a couple of days ago, I just went on and started looking at Christian T-shirts online. I mean, it. it re- one of them says, you can buy it. Don't you buy it, but you could buy it. God is my homie. That mm-hmm. was one of them. Mm-hmm. Slogans. I saw slogans that pivot off of worldly slogans. So mm-hmm. one T-shirt said, this blood's for you. Oh, my gosh. Instead of, you know, <laughs> Budweiser. Uh-huh. Um, this one, I, God is uh, God is rad. He's my dad. I mean, then my favorite. This girl runs on cupcakes and Jesus. Well, who doesn't? Well, <laughs> and who doesn't I, want to wear that on a t-shirt? You know, I just think <laughs> when you see that kind of stuff, sure, we're and I know some of it is well intentioned. You know, it. I guess it is, but it needs to stop. Mm. Because we need to remember that God's holiness means that we should be careful to speak of Him reverently. He really is our Holy Father. And we, we've, we've, we lose sight of that too easily. Mm-hmm. The people that quaked in their bones at His what, sight would be quaking a, in their bones at the sight of what we've done with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So you've mentioned that holiness means to be distinct, separate, and or unique, and you mentioned another strand of meaning for that word holy. What's the other strand? So that other strand means to be holy is to be absolutely pure. Mm. Holiness means also that God is set apart from anything impure. Mm. So when we apply that strand of the meaning to God, His holiness points to what Habakkuk tells us. He said, God's eyes are too pure to look on evil, and He cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So in a word, God is perfect without, he's without sin, he's flawless. So blazing is God's purity that the the sinless seraphim, and the seraphim 
were the, are these angelic attendants who are at God's throne. Mm-hmm. They cover. We're we're told they cover their faces with their wings. I think, I think I'm right. We, we'll we'll study this when we mm-hmm. get to angelic beings. But I think they have six wings, mm-hmm. and we're told that they cover their faces with their wings. There was a, a Puritan divine back in the 17th century by the name of, of Stephen Charnock, and I really agree with him. He wrote this. He said, as there is no darkness in God's understanding, so there is no spot in his will. As his mind is possessed with all truth, so there is no deviation in his will from it. He loves all truth and goodness. He hates all falsity and evil. So there you have it that the, the, the perfect without sin, flawless aspect of, of who God is. Mm-hmm. So as we draw this to a close today, let's ask our favorite question, or at least my favorite question. Seems to be. It is. <laughs> Brings it home. What difference does God's holiness make in our everyday lives? Well, that that's, that's an onion right mm-hmm. there. That's got a lot of layers to it. Um, regardless of that, though, I, I think we all should wrestle with a few thoughts like, do I have the holiness of God working for me in Christ, mm. or is His holiness set against me? Have I fled to Christ deliberately, personally trusting that what He did on the cross is my only hope of being right with God? Or am I still carrying my sin and in an, an, an appointment with the fierce wrath of God, because you know my innate sin separates me from a holy God, but that same holy God sent His Son Jesus to save us. So we, you know, holiness can take us very, very, very deep, mm-hmm. but it should. That's what it. That that's one of the wonderful things about. It. Now, as you're listening, if you're a follower of Jesus already, what is the evidence in your daily life that the Holy Spirit of God indwells you? That has everything to do with God's holiness. Does our behavior, you and I, our choices, our habits, our language, show that we are in the language of 1 Peter 2.9, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Mm. Now, Kitchen Table Theologians, I realize today, and we're, we're wrapping it up, but slightly longer podcast than most, and it's a little bit of a heavier topic, but it really is one that we have barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. So I really want to encourage you to study God's holiness on your own, because there is so much to unpack and stand back in amazement and awe. Mm-hmm. There always is so much to mm-hmm. unpack when it comes to the scriptures, and that's why we have kitchen table theology. So if those of you joining us today have not subscribed yet, do so. Head on over to YouTube or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening from and do subscribe. We're putting more and more resources up for your study and personal growth in God's Word. Subscribing makes sure that you don't miss a thing. And speaking of your personal growth in God's Word, we're a week out from Pastor Jeff's newest book launch, Your Greatest Adventure. Make sure that you check that out on Amazon. And if you're a Prime member, I think you can get it in two days. I don't have any idea, but okay. (laughs) I think you can. (laughs) If today's podcast has brought up a question or two, just shoot us an email at pastorjeffcranston at lowcountrycc.org or watch for Pastor Jeff's Instagram story. IG name is Pastor Jeff Cranston. 
because we give you opportunities to ask questions there as well. And we do love hearing from you. So as we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening and joining us today. We hope that our time together has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will be on the justness of God, that God is a just God. We hope you will join us. You won't want to miss it. So we hope to see you next time right here on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.